everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I'm a psychologist, sex and intimacy coach, and an accredited advanced GSRD, which is gender, sex, and relationship diversity therapist. And I've spent the last 30 plus years helping people to create and maintain the relationships that they dream of containing great sizzling sex without the shame. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time, and this week the letter is O, and O is for opening up. This week, I'm going to talk about what it is like to open up a relationship. There's lots of talk on this topic, and it is one of the areas that I have some expertise with. I've worked with loads of couples who have decided that they no longer wanted to be in monogamous relationships and they wanted to have more open relationships. So let's start out a bit with some definitions and then I'll answer some questions that have come in on this topic recently. Um, So open relationship is a form of non-monogamy. What I talk about is consensual non-monogamy, which is where everyone is being honest with everyone else about the number and type of relationships that they're having. So this is one where people are transparent about their relationships. When I speak of opening up, I'm usually speaking of a couple deciding to open up. Um, Individuals choosing consensual non-monogamy don't necessarily talk about it in terms of of opening up. Even when they have previously been um, monogamous, they tend not to talk about it that way. Opening up is really most often about going from being in a monogamous relationship, which is a relationship where um, you only have one sexual and romantic partner, to a non-monogamous relationship, which is a relationship where you may have multiple sexual and or romantic partners. Uh, The most common forms of opening up are uh, moving to something that looks like monogamish, which is uh, a term that was coined by Dan Savage and means really a hall pass from monogamy. So it's when a couple decide that they might um, allow some sexual exploration, but only in very specific circumstances. Uh, Maybe it's when one partner is away um, and there's a rule about what you can do if if people are living apart, very specific rules about what you can do um, to get your sexual needs met. Or maybe it's just somebody has always wanted to try something and so uh, they make an agreement that you can go and try out this sexual activity with someone else. And that is really going to be the only um, activity that we're comfortable with you doing. That's the the, the amount of open I'm willing to have in my relationship. The next most common um, form of opening up is usually looking for a threesome. Um, And that is quite common. Many couples will look to share a sexual experience with one other person. A threesome is an an experience where the couple is sharing the experience with someone else together. Uh, The most common threesomes are still two women and a man. Um, Don't know why that is, but it's still the most common. And again, this is something that it is a very limited form of opening up, and it's opening up usually on an episodic basis. So um, it, it, we're not talking about when people take their relationship from monogamous to deciding to include a third person permanently. We're talking about doing it on an episodic basis for a threesome or a menage a trois, is they're going to go out and, and find someone to have a sexual experience with. Um, Equally as common after that are uh, deciding to engage in swinging, which is um, usually a form of openness that involves the couples going to events, be they private parties or larger public events, 
and meeting other people to have sexual experiences with. Um, they may go to an event and um, have an experience with another couple. They may go and have with individuals together, or they may separate and go and have experiences at the event. <clears throat> Excuse me, but typically couples do attend these things together, and they plan their relationships and their sexual play together. So they discuss what they want with each other, and together they look for partners. Um, and the other side that's it's equally as, as popular is deciding to go out and um, start relationships separately from each other. Now, these can be simply sexual relationships. Um, so partners may agree that each of them has permission to go out and find alternate sexual partners. Or they can be... Um, sexual and emotional relationships. So where they're able to go out and find partners where they're going to have a full-fledged relationship with them, um, one that involves um, feelings as well as physicality, uh, one where they might date and where they might, um, you know, spend some holidays together and, and create a full relationship. And then finally, we have things like polyamory, where people are having multiple partners, and they are creating, <clears throat> excuse me, full relationships with each of these partners. Sometimes they all know each other, and sometimes they keep these completely separate. But these are all ways of opening up. But usually when people come first to see me seeking to open up, their original um, starting point is often just about creating new sexual relationships. So when do you know that opening up is a good idea? That's a question I get asked a lot. And it's not an easy question to answer. Opening up may be right for you if you find that you enjoy variety and are not happy in relationships when variety isn't present. If you're somebody who has found yourself anytime you're in a monogamous relationship desirous of other people, um, if you found yourself a, a serial monogamist so that you know you end a relationship and you very quickly have another relationship afterwards, or you're somebody who has a uh, history of cheating because you find it really hard to stay um, physically and or emotionally faithful to one person, then being in a more open relationship style may be right for you. It's something that can be enjoyable if you are somebody who, when you were growing up, always shared your toys, if you found it easier to share, easy to share, and you enjoy sharing all parts of your life with other people, and in fact, find it difficult to only share with one person, then again, this might work very well for you. If you are typically very possessive and very jealous, then opening your relationship up is going to be harder for you. It doesn't mean you won't necessarily decide to do it, but it will be a harder job if you are somebody who is typically very possessive and very jealous with friends, uh, with possessions, and with partners. You'll find it a much harder job if that's the case. Again, not impossible, but harder. And finally, the last type of situation that I will also talk a bit about today is what happens when one of you is most definitely monogamous and the other one is most definitely non-monogamous. And whether or not you want to have a relationship with each other and how you manage that when one of you is monogamous and the other is non-monogamous without um, insisting that your partner be like you. So without insisting that your partner 
be monogamous if you are monogamous or insisting that your partner be non-monogamous if you are non-monogamous, actively non-monogamous if you're non-monogamous. So we'll talk about that today too because that is a special circumstance. It is a bit more complicated. It does take a bit more personal work, but it is possible and it is doable and it's certainly something that's worth thinking about. And we're going to go into all of these in detail in the next few segments, but I want to be really clear that what's most important with all of this, no matter what relationship style you choose, whether you do open up or not, is for you to be making conscious choices. That should be the goal of any of the work you do, is to learn to be able to make conscious choices about your relationships. So if you decide to be monogamous, you're deciding rather than being monogamous simply because that's all you've ever been presented with. I'm going to be encouraging you as an individual and encouraging you who are in couples to actually think this through and look at it as an exercise to help you figure out what would actually work best for you, be that monogamous or non-monogamous, rather than just going with what you've always been or the culturally accepted or culturally prescribed uh, solutions. So uh, we are now coming up on a break, and uh, after the break, we'll talk about what the things you need to know are before you open up. What should you be considering? We'll be back after some words from our sponsors. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you have questions about sex and intimacy? Many are too embarrassed to ask, but we've got to know the answers, right? That's where the A to Z of sex comes in. Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee explores every aspect of sex, intimacy, and more. Find out the real answers with Dr. Lori Beth and her expert guests. We also hear from individuals who have experienced the issues we talk about. No matter your gender, sexual preference, or desire, you're welcome here. Learn your erotic ABCs by listening every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at DrLoriBethBisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey everyone, welcome back to the A to Z of Sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. And this week it is always for opening up and this is segment two. Um, Before the break, I said that we would um, start this segment with talking about what you should be considering if you're thinking about opening up your relationship. So, what should you consider? The first thing to look at is why. What is it that's driving you to open up your relationship? The people who are most successful in opening up their relationships are the ones where they're clear about what it is that they want to achieve by having the relationship be more open. 
So that takes you knowing something about your own motivation for doing this. Is there a reason that you want to do this? What's come up that's um, encouraged you to open the relationship? Um, Have things been going well in the relationship? Have you always wanted to have multiple partners? Is there something you want to try that requires more than one person? So a threesome has more than one person. Um, And it's a sexually different experience than having sex with one person at a time, of course. So, you know, if there's something you want to try. So that's step one is to understand what is your motivation. When you look at the partnership, one of the things that you want to look at is, uh, is one of you more motivated than the other? Now, frequently, one person is driving changes in the relationship more than the other. So it's not necessarily a deal breaker because one partner seems to be, you know, suggesting the change or suggesting more new things. But you need to be clear that both partners are on the same page, that you both have the same goal. So that's the next thing to be looking at. So you're looking at your motivation, and then you're looking to make sure that both you and your partner have the same goal for opening up. And again, that means making sure that you're clear about what you want to get out of it. Also, that you're clear about what you don't want, what your boundaries are. The work that you need to do before opening up is work on yourself, making sure, for example, that you're able to set boundaries, that you know what your own desires look like, that you feel good about yourself and that you have decent self-esteem and good confidence and that you have the skills, the emotional skills to manage your strong emotions when they arise because emotions do arise in this process. And you need to be able to manage your emotions profitably. So, for example, if you do not know how to soothe yourself when you are upset and you rely on others to soothe you, that can be problematic if your partner is out on a date with somebody else and that's the person you usually look to to soothe you, to help you calm yourself down when you're emotionally upset. They're out on a date, you're emotionally upset, and you have no ways of managing it yourself. So it's really important that you look at your own skills and make sure you're boned up on your emotional skills. Your communication skills need to be better than average. And um, no matter how good they are, you can always improve them. I will say that now. Even those of us who have superb communication skills, who have been working on our communication for years, who communicate regularly in emotionally fraught situations, still can always do better. Communication skills need to be superb. You need to be really good at listening. You need to be really good at staying in the present and in contact with your partner when they're saying things that are challenging or emotionally upsetting. You need to be good at asking for what you want, negotiating, and as we said, setting boundaries. So all of those are crucial skills if you're going to manage an open relationship and the process of opening up. To be fair, they're all really important skills for any relationship. But the complications of adding more people makes it more emotionally challenging. Therefore, your skills need to be better. So the first place is looking at what are your skills and what are your issues. If you're somebody who is routinely jealous, Working on that before opening up will make opening up easier. You may still need to work on your jealousy. You definitely will need strategies to manage jealousy. But rather than trying to do this challenging work in the midst of all of this, it's a good idea to start it before you open up. So in the process of talking about opening up to be doing your own work. I also find that it's really useful for people to be clear about um, their previous trauma 
relationship trauma, but also trauma with family of origin, because the trauma around family of origin often is part of um, what governs their attachment style. Attachment can be really important when you're looking at opening up relationships. It's actually a really important concept to look at in relationships in general. But when you're looking at opening up relationships, it becomes even more complicated. So it is quite important to get a handle on things from early childhood if you're going to open up. Now, some people are probably appalled at this point, thinking that I'm saying that, oh, my God, you need to do all this work before you can open up. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that these are the areas you're going to need to work on. And if you do some of the work before you challenge yourself, it always makes the beginning stages of something like opening up a lot easier, the beginning stages of newness easier and more enjoyable because you've done some of the work. If you are someone who has a lot of unhandled trauma from childhood and also from previous relationships, I would urge you not to try and have multiple sexual and romantic relationships while that trauma is still unhandled if you've never done that before, like if you've not already been non-monogamous. Don't do things that are going to trigger your trauma and add to your trauma if you can avoid it. That's the advice. Um, So you need to work on these areas as well. As a couple, it's good to make sure that your relationship is in good state, is in a good state. Um, Honesty is imperative when it comes to non-monogamy. It's imperative. The thing that really uh, damages relationships when someone has an affair is not the fact that they've had sex with someone else. That's not usually the problem. The issue is they've lied. They've broken the trust. And broken trust is hard to rebuild. Not impossible, but it is hard to rebuild. So rather than breaking the trust, it's best to have these conversations beforehand. So uh, there's a saying, I'm sure many of you have heard me say this before, there's a very popular saying these days, that it's better to ask for forgiveness than it is to ask for permission. I completely disagree with this when it comes to relationships and particularly opening relationships up. Always better to ask for permission. Because if you're asking for forgiveness, it means you've already broken the trust. And as I said, repairing the trust is really difficult once it's been broken. And particularly if your goal is to open your relationship up, you've already done this without consent. Adding consent into it is very hard and makes the journey much more unpleasant. Far better to actually... I know it means having to wait, but to actually have the discussions and the negotiations before you open up your relationship and to do it consensually. So asking for permission, making agreements. If you're unsure of your place in your relationship, if you're always concerned that you're not good enough or that your partner's going to find somebody they prefer more, you're much more likely Um, when opening up your relationship to be concerned about this as well. You're much more likely to be uh, afraid of your partner choosing someone over you. Monogamy is one at a time. Non-monogamy is more than one. So monogamy is either or. Non-monogamy is both and. But if you're already feeling insecure, you may be concerned that your partner is still going to make choices and choose to leave you behind. So it's good to make sure that your relationship is in a decent place before you try to open up, that you feel secure within your relationship. And if the insecurity is your stuff, go deal with that. If the insecurity is because the relationship has been rocky, do the work on the relationship first and then look at opening up. Don't challenge the relationship further until you've done the repair work. 
And this is a really common one. People are really, you know, we're enculturated into monogamy. So people, even those who are non-monogamous and who have made that, they're clear that they're non-monogamous, they've made the choice to live non-monogamously, um, even people who are really sure of that can find themselves trapped in what I call the monogamy hangover, which is all the thinking and feelings and behaviors that come from being acculturated into monogamy. So the, the feeling that someone has got to choose one of you, um, that competitiveness, uh, the feeling that you're never going to be enough, um, that um, it's not possible to have to have two satisfactory and ethical relationships. All of those things can bite you in the bum, um, even if you are well-versed in non-monogamy, just because that's what we're exposed to every day. So working with these ideas is quite important so that you are able to feel comfortable in your position in your relationship, feel confident of where you are and confident of your ability to have more than one relationship. And we are just about up to another break. When we come back, we'll talk more about um, some of the things that come up when people start making conscious choices about what relationship style they would prefer. Um, we'll talk about sex and safety. Um, we'll talk a bit about prioritization um, and what that looks like and some about gatekeeping. And I'll see y'all when we get back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with host Nancy Kerala. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. Together with her guests, we'll explore C. diff infection prevention, treatments, clinical trials, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins looks at how natural healing and biological dentistry can safely and effectively treat most health problems. You'll hear about the innovations in both traditional and alternative medicine therapies with doctors and dentists, along with discussions with chiropractors, medical experts, homeopaths, naturopaths, and energetic healers. It's great to have all the best information in one place. And Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins brings it all together. Listen Thursdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drloribethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. And uh, this week, it is O is for opening up. And this is the beginning of segment number three. Um, before the break, we were talking about um, where it, it being a good idea for your relationship to be in a decent place um, before you start opening up. Um, I'm reminded of people who decide to have babies in order to try and save their marriages. Never a good idea. Um, so this isn't something you want to do if things have been going really badly in order to try to save your relationship. This is something you want to do very consciously because you want to do it. The best reason for deciding to open up your relationship is because it's something that you think will meet your needs or be enjoyable um, and hopefully both. So um, doing it in order to save your relationship um, is definitely not a great 
reason. Um, and it doesn't usually work to do that. So, yeah, you want to know where your place in the relationship is and feel assured of the relationship. Uh, a lot of times people open up because they have different sexual needs, and that is a great reason to open up when your needs are quite different. Um, and one of the issues that comes up a lot when couples are the ones who are doing the opening up is um, the idea of gatekeeping, which is, is it ever acceptable to be able to veto one of your partner's choices of partners? Now, there's a lot of dogma around this issue, tons. Um, and uh, recently, I hear a lot of it's it's not acceptable. Sometimes people say it's abusive if your partner wants to choose your partners or say no to which partners you can have or control your other relationships. Um, that's a really simplistic way of uh, looking at non-monogamy. Um, it certainly isn't abusive. Uh, there certainly are times where it might be seen as abusive. Abusive partners sometimes try and control all a person's other relationships. They try and isolate a person. But when it comes to non-monogamy, it depends on what kind of relationship you have and whether you uh, are starting from a couple position or starting from a single position. For example, if you are in a relationship that contains power exchange or authority transfer, then it's common for the person who is in the dominant position in that relationship to have a say in who you have other relationships and who the submissive person has other relationships with. That's a natural and normal part of having a relationship that includes power exchange. And the person often doesn't need to give any reason. But ultimately what you want is the reason that they have a say is because they want to make sure that any other relationship that you get into respects your existing relationship and will not get in the way of your responsibilities in your existing relationship. So that is a specific kind of gatekeeping that is very common. Um, and makes perfect sense. If you are handing over authority to someone else, you would expect them to take an interest in your other relationships as well. But what about in cases where authority transfer is not part of it? What about then when somebody wants to, to gatekeep, somebody wants a say in partner choosing? This is one that you want to think about carefully. Certainly, I've had clients where um, one partner wanted to choose new partners amongst the people that they knew, and that made the other partner uncomfortable. That's a common one. So that, as a rule, no people that we already know, no people that I have to see every day at the school gates is a reasonable request. Um, sometimes... Gatekeeping is about one partner's ability to spot when something is likely to be a problematic relationship, when someone's likely to cause drama, when situations are likely not to mesh very well, and the other person's inability to see that because they're so excited by new and shiny. Again, if it's done properly and it's done with respect to all parties, there's nothing wrong with that. It can make opening up possible in certain circumstances where it might otherwise not be possible. The time when it's not good is when the reason that somebody is vetoing partners is just simply, I'm jealous, right? So um, anytime I, um, anytime you bring someone around that I, I feel jealous of, I would say no. And so in those situations, what you find is that, that, Gatekeeping is, you know, 90% of the time partners are being vetoed. So it's really obvious and it's, it's and easily dealt with. That doesn't work. That will never work. If you're ruling out all sorts of people left, right, and center just because of your discomfort, that's not going to fly. There has to be some objective reasons why it is that you're ruling people out um, in order to make this work. 
The other thing is somebody having control about asking for a relationship to be ended once it's already in progress. And this is definitely a more controversial one. Again, when people are in a relationship that involves authority transfer, it's not unusual for the dominant party to have that right. But anybody else coming into a relationship with the submissive party will know that up front. They will be told that up front and it will be discussed up front. In other circumstances, handing that right over to a partner can cause all sorts of issues. So it would be like saying, like Mary says that she gets really jealous and she's really concerned that um, Jeff will um, lose sight of their relationship and get so involved with the other person that their relationship will suffer. So she wants the option to call time on a relationship if it's not working for her, even though she's not in the relationship, right, directly. And, and if he says, yes, you can have that right, that's something that would need to be dealt with carefully because she could be, because you have to take into account the other people that he's having relationships with and what their feelings are and what their needs are. So you're giving somebody outside the relationship control over the relationship. And yes, you're doing that in situations where there's a power exchange as well, but that's a negotiated situation. And this one is a different situation. So that can be much more difficult. I'm not going to say it's never okay to do that because I have seen situations where it's worked very well, where the only time that the the other party chose to intervene was when things were actually getting very difficult and and it was impacting everywhere in the person's life. And they'd intervene by saying, I'd like you to have another look at this relationship, not this relationship is over. I'd like you to have another look at it because it seems to be impacting you very negatively and as a result is impacting all of us very negatively as well. So those are the gatekeeping possibilities. Um, and it, as I say, this is definitely very controversial. Um, there's a lot of dogma around it, but actually gatekeeping can make it a little bit easier to open your relationship up. It can make it easier to um, establish trust, especially in situations where trust has previously been broken. and. Um, it is definitely an integral part of um, relationships where there's a power exchange. So it's definitely something to negotiate. Sometimes people do gatekeeping in a slightly different way. They do gatekeeping by establishing rules around categories of people with whom you can have a relationship. So for example, uh, no relationships with people who have small children. I've seen that one as, as a very common one. Why? Because we don't want to be involved in raising somebody else's children and all the issues that come with that. Not because they might not be a perfectly lovely person, but because that is likely to impact on our relationship in a way that... Um, the people in the original relationship don't want to take on. So you might negotiate, you know, no people with small children. Sometimes people say no people like me. And that's always an interesting one. So that's where the one penis policy comes from. And the one penis policy is when um, the rule is made by the person with the penis that um, his partner or their partner can have relationships with people who do not have penises, but not with people who have penises. And again, that's another one that people can get all up in arms about, but it is definitely one of those choices that is a valid choice if all the people involved agree on it. Right, and you know, these aren't the, like people will go. Oh, that's unethical. There's nothing unethical about it. It's a choice. What has to happen is it's a consensual, negotiated choice. 
right? And that means that everybody needs to be happy about it. If everybody's happy about it, it's a fine choice. If everybody's not happy about it, it's not a fine choice. You can also get uh, no women who look like me. That's the, the kind of the reverse of that that I see a lot. You know, if the person looks too much like me, I don't want you to have that person as a partner. Again, is that a, is that a, an, a fair choice? Is that an ethical, ethical situation? It's a choice, and it's got to be a negotiated choice. And it's got to be, you know, may, there needs to be really clear what that means so that you can choose. And since all of these things are about choosing partners before you're involved with them, the ethics becomes a different issue because you're not going to hurt other people because you're not yet involved with those other people. These are rule-out strategies before you get involved with someone else. For some people, this is really important in helping them to open up. It helps them establish the trust in their partner. And as they've been you know, in an open relationship longer, it becomes less important. For other people, you know, they don't feel it's necessary. It, it's a step on the way. And as long as it's negotiated consensually with all parties, there's nothing wrong with it. And now we are, believe it or not, at our final break. When we come back, uh, some tips for opening up questions you should be asking each other, things you might want to try, and um, I'll answer any questions that have come in. I'll see you in a couple of minutes. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Addiction. It's something many of us face. It can be nearly anything. Food, sex, alcohol, cannabis, heroin, or dependence on prescription drugs like pain pills, Xanax, Clonopin, or Ativan. Dr. Patricia Halligan hosts Recovery, The Hero's Journey. This groundbreaking program explores the many facets of addiction, including expert observations, best practices to help patients, and treatment options. Listen every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is the A to Z of Sex, featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drloribethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey everyone, welcome back to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. And this week is O is for opening up. And this is the final segment of this really complicated topic that actually probably takes a number of shows to cover. Um, so as I said before the break, I wanted to give you some tips about some of the things that you might be asking and looking for as you start to open up. So um, we started with ask yourself what your motivation is and make sure you guys have the same goal. Um, sit down and ask yourself what what will equal a great experience? What does a really good experience look look like? Um, and what might be problematic? 
spend some time working on your emotional management skills. So know how to self-soothe. How do you deal with jealousy? And if you, you, you're not really good at dealing with these things right now, get some help. Get some input. Get some input um, with dealing with your emotions and with the skills. You know, there's loads of ways to practice your communication skills. Practice your boundary setting skills. Be really clear about your boundaries. Um, one of the things that I recommend certainly is to look at an agreement between you and your partner about what opening up looks like for you. So a set of agreements, for example, common one is no um, hosting in our own home, in our own bed, right? So if you're going to see somebody and you're going to spend the night with them or you're going to have sex with them, not in our own home and in our own bed. That's a really common one. Um, or sometimes at the beginning, another common one is no overnights. Uh, no family friends. No hooking up with family friends. Um, you must have a detailed discussion about what safe sex looks like to you. What does it look like to you? Are you going to agree that um, there's no contact with any bodily fluids without a barrier method? So that would mean no oral sex without a condom or without a dental dam. Is oral sex exempted? Are you happy to have all kinds of sex with another person? Sometimes people say, don't do something, don't do something with a new partner for the first time that I might want to do with you. And that's a kind of hard one and a difficult one, right? But it is an agreement that some people have. Um, I usually say it would be better if you guys haven't got, if it's something you've always talked about doing and you haven't gotten around to doing, fair enough. But if it isn't something you've ever really talked about doing, the fact that your partner's doing new things with someone different, if you have feelings about that, you need to deal with your feelings. Because the new things are being brought up in their relationship. It didn't come up in your relationship. There's reasons for that. And besides, then they're bringing something new back to your relationship. If you're looking at opening up by going to a swing club or having a threesome, making sure you're clear, what are you going to do to check in with your partner during the experience to make sure that everyone is okay? Sometimes having a signal, a nonverbal signal to say, I'm not feeling so good. Can we slow down or can we take a break is a good idea. Making sure to check in with your partner deliberately throughout so that everybody has a good time. Because sometimes, for example, with a threesome, the, the issue is who's getting more attention. And our first threesome can be really scary and it can be, feel really challenging. And if you feel like your partner's paying you no attention and only paying attention to the new person, that can be really difficult. So having a signal to make sure that you check in with each other. Um, an agreement about when, an, when a situation ends. If certain things happen, what are you going to do to end the situation? Sometimes, for example, going to an event, a swingers event, and just watching the first time can make it easier to open up. So sit down and actually negotiate a set of agreements that make this as safe as possible so you can have as much fun as possible. If you're talking about separate relationships, talking about things like holidays, it's very popular these days to talk about um, everybody needing to be equal and every, every relationship needing to be prioritized the same. But the reality is, is that when somebody has been in a relationship for a long time, they've got sweat equity. You know, they've put the time in with you when you're ill, building a business, you know, going to school, uh, paying bills together, raising kids together, even the fur four furry four-legged ones, you know, that's sweat equity. You tend to give some priority to that relationship. Um, so it doesn't mean you love anybody any different, but you do tend to give priority because the resources that are limited are time and energy. 
So if you want to make sure that you're doing things as equally as possible, talk about how priority happens, what kind of holiday priority there is. Making sure you have talk talk about whether you're going to meet new partners. You know, are you going to um, invite them around the kitchen table and have dinner with them, like in kitchen table polyamory, or do you not want to meet them, or do you only want to, you know, know who they are and know their name to say hi, but you don't want to sit down with them? So make sure you have a good agreement and you're really clear. Make sure you've looked at the patterns of your other relationships so that you don't repeat them when you're doing this new kind of relationship. The things that haven't gone well in other relationships. How are you going to negotiate things if things really aren't working out for you? Have a clear exit strategy. All of these things help make opening up a much easier prospect. Um, and it's often useful to do these with somebody who's a qualified coach or GSRD therapist, somebody who's used to helping people do this and work through it. Um, there are groups. Um, I run groups. I'm, I'm, I'm running one, I think, starting the end of January. I'm running another starting um, either March or April that is limited to polyamory. Um, so there will be people who have been open for a while and people who are just opening up in that group and we'll go through skills and we'll go through all the sorts of issues that come up um, and, and work on all aspects of being in a consensually non-monogamous relationship. Uh, there's lots of reading material out there, loads of podcasts, so educate yourself. And there's DIY courses um, as well. I have two up on my website, DIY courses. Uh, one of them is um, non-monogamy from A to Z. And the other one is create your um, or design your polyamorous relationship. Uh, both of those are excellent places to start so that you can do some of the analysis yourself and or with your partner. Um, Put the work in, put the time in, and opening up will absolutely be far smoother than if you don't um, and can be an amazingly wonderful experience. If questions come up, please do write them in. I'll answer them um, in the next couple of shows. Um, head on over to my website and sign up for my uh, newsletter. Uh, and you'll get more information on non-monogamy, kink, and BDSM, power exchange relationships, um, sex, sexuality, and relationships every month um, and notified of all the things that I'm doing, any new book releases, new blogs, and um, podcasts first. Have an amazing, amazing week. And look out for my holiday gift guide, which is coming out soon. And on the 26th of November, I have a holiday gift guide live where I will take you through the whole thing from start to finish. Lots of fun and luxurious items for the holiday season. All stuff that um, I know about personally. Either I've used them or uh, other people I know have used them. Um, and uh, so I'll be able to tell you chapter and verse about each of the items. There's a lot of fun stuff on there and some really original choices. So do check all that out. Uh, next week, it is the letter P, and P is for Pompoir, and Belle DiLorenzo joins me. I hope you will enjoy that show, and uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> 